0: Welcome back to Bibby as the open.
1: the Kings Insider podcast on csncalifornia.com introducing your host Sacramento Kings Insider James Ham
0: Welcome to the NBC Sports California Kings Insider podcast I am James Ham I'm actually in the same room with Mr. Ambroski of hoop-ball.com Ab, it's good to see you.
1: Yeah, man. What's up with the? You got the goatee going on here, man. It's not. That's not a, a boy's goatee either. That's not like a Steph Curry goatee. Oh yeah, You've yeah. been up in the mountains and and. Uh... I've even trimmed it,
0: Aaron. It was much bigger than this at one point. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I decided to grow a summer goatee, and none of you guys have seen Are me you because keep it for the season. No, no, it'll be gone long before the season. There's too much white in it. it. Tells my age. I don't. I don't want people knowing how old I am. Um. Yeah. So Aaron, we've. We've got some stuff to talk about. I mean, it's it's uh, the dog days of draft buildup. Uh, we already know where the Kings are drafting. We've already had these conversations. Um, but, you know, we we do have to trudge through this and try to figure out who makes the most sense for the Sacramento Kings. And um, I think we've both done our research at this point. Uh, the Kings have been bringing players through nonstop at this point. I think they had a double workout on on Wednesday, which is while, when we're – Recording this, uh, it's the first group of real, real players: uh, Jordan Bell from Oregon, uh, Justin Jackson from uh, North Carolina, Frank Mason from Kansas. These guys are all going in the first round or early second round. Uh, so some, f- some finally some good prospects coming through. But uh, you know, when you look at the sort of the way that the draft is playing out now. You just don't get to see players come through anymore, and it's really, for me, it's sad that player agents are controlling this whole world, and we're just not getting to see these guys. So I guess the question is, would you do the Vlad devot's approach and say, oh, I haven't met him, I haven't talked to him, they don't want to talk to me, I, I'm not going to draft him?
1: Oh, no. no. No, 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 no. You don't play that game if you're uh, in the business of, of being the GM. So I, I just think that... There's especially nowadays, I mean, maybe back in the day there was a place for that because you know there wasn't so much availability of film and you know mm-hmm. so much exposure for these athletes, even you know overseas, you get a real good sense of what they're all about um so no, I think that there's way more than enough data on these guys. The only question that I have with the in person workout that I want to know is you do get to know something about a player looking them in the eye and and really getting a good feel for. You know, especially if you push them a little bit, you know, what is going to be the response? And, of course, players, it's fun. I've been looking at all this past stuff and, like, Draymond Green, you know, his, his interviews in, in uh, past years before, like, the Combine or wherever. And all these guys are in sales mode, and they're talking about kind of, you know, how happy they would be to play for everybody. And, and, and they're just totally different guys yeah. than they are now. Yeah, You know, they're total rooks. Um, so you've got to kind of parse through the sales part of it and see, you know, is this somebody – say the, the jump shot's the problem. Is this person going to be able to work on mechanics and get through what can be very difficult for anybody is to, to change something that's so natural to you, such as a jump shot. Do they have the mental fortitude to, to cross that, that bridge? And so those are the questions I think you get the answers to in the workout process is seeing them face to face one-on-one.
0: Yeah. I think you also get to do the whole dinner thing. You take them out, you know, you, you, you get around them. You see how they interact with other people. You see if they're aloof and they stand in the corner, if they're gregarious, and you know if they start barking at people. Um, how they treat servers in a restaurant, I think, is huge. You know, I, I, people may look at me funny, but you can learn a lot from going out. I mean, I've gone out with some other couples. Me and my wife have gone out with some other couples, and you just look at them like, man, do you not realize they're they're going to spit in all of our foods, not just your food. All of our foods. I don't want to go out with you. I don't want to be a friend with you anymore. (laughs) That's the way you're going to treat people when we're out. So I think you do get to learn something about people and just their approach to daily life and how they handle things. Um, But, you know, like uh, Michael Carter Williams is a guy that always, like, comes to my mind. Like, who – we actually, we we haven't asked that this year, but who do you kind of model your game or who do you think you look like out on the basketball court? And he says, oh – I think I look like Jason Kidd, but but not the old, like, you know, slow Jason Kidd, but, like, the awesome Jason Kidd in his prime. And and you're just looking <laughs> at him like, man, the only thing that you have going for you that compares to Jason Kidd is that neither one of you could hit a jump shot when you came in the league. Jason Kidd finishes his career as, like, the third, number three all-time in three-point makes. He took dude, a lot
1: of standing set shots that were wide open, by the way.
0: Yeah. But well, – he did that because he had set up all the other guys for so many wide open looks that all of a sudden he gets a couple open looks himself.
1: i it's funny too because Jason Kidd became Michael Carter Williams' biggest fan, you know, towards the end of Michael Carter's, I guess, run as a potential asset in the NBA. So it's yeah. kind of weird, like maybe those two had hooked up before, because that's just a weird comparison. Like, where, where was he even thinking, saying that he must have been buddies with him or? There must have been some outreach there no, from Jason I, I, Kidd to, to Michael Carter Williams. How do you come up with that comparison if you're Michael Carter Williams? I mean, just. I like, think
0: some people though they don't have. They, they're they, they're young, they're immature, they're, you know, maybe they aren't the sharpest tool in the shed, and, and that comes across. I mean, that's what. So I, I think getting your hands on some of these kids and letting them have conversations with you and and going back and forth with these guys and I for like. I actually like Ma- Michael Carter-Williams' game, except for the fact that he can't shoot. I wouldn't mind him being a Sacramento King. He probably is going to be <laughs> don't, available don't do it. <laughs> again. Uh, well, but, I mean, at some point, you know, the kid will run out of, uh, of his nine lives. I mean, last year, the Kings were offered Michael Carter-Williams straight up for Ben McLemore, and the Kings asked for a first-round pick to go with it for Ben McLemore. And actually, and for that matter, Ben Mclemore was there today. He, he was hanging out in the gym. Um, I've seen Buddy Healed, I've seen Willie Cauley Stein and uh, Scal lebisier They're all in town working out together. Um, actually, Willie and uh, Scal both liked my goatee. Hey, they both there commented. You go. <laughs> they both liked my goatee. So, so that's cool. Um, but I, I really miss that part of the process because the further along we get. Um, You know, the old practice facility, we had windows. They would lift up the windows, and we would get to watch just a little bit of the workouts. Um, I remember Jimmer hitting a a floater that almost hit the top of the backboard over um, Jarvis Bernardo uh, that was just so incredible, just like barely glanced off and dropped right through the rim. And it was like, wow, I didn't think he, I didn't think he had that shot in that guy had every shot in his bag and I think he showed the Kings like all this mystical stuff and he ran Kimball Walker off the court and you're like, All right, maybe he's a ball player. And so I, I guess maybe these you're workouts just
1: killing the Kings fans right now. Maybe I, I well ahead. I'm saying maybe the Because uh, that was probably the moment that yeah. shifted everybody's decision making. And that would be my message to these people is do not let that moment shift your thinking. Yeah. It's so, just such a small sample size to look at. I mean, Kemba Walker, come on, like Kemba Walker would mop the floor with or <laughs> Fredette. There's a guy named Kawhi Leonard out there that got past. You know,
0: Kawhi Leonard got just absolutely destroyed by Jimmer for in watching, college. I
1: was because you know what? I I took my film watching to the next level this year. I wanted to go see some of these guys like Giannis, Kawhi, see what they looked like in some of these like Draft Express videos and some of their, their film from college just to see kind of where that's at. And I hate to say it, but you could see it in the film. And, and it's, so it kind of makes, it begs the question of like with Giannis, you're looking at all this kind of overseas underage talent that he's going against. And, and it's really, it takes a trained eye to, to say, okay, this translates. Yeah. Because it's so easy to say, Oh, you know what? Those are 18 year olds. They ain't got no chance. And when you go back, you look at the Giannis film, and there's certain key questions that kind of popped up with each of these stars, was kind of what I was really trying to get at. Um, with Draymond, it was what his athleticism translate yeah. to the NBA, and he was overweight. And, and you've got to look at some of these guys, I think, if you're looking to really get the most value and take a little bit of a risk in the draft, which of these guys, you're talking about Justin Jackson that, that was just in for the workout. Yeah. He, at times, looks Kevin Durant-esque. In fact, there's a guy, and I'm qualifying that in a second here, don't worry. Um, Yeah, I was going to just drop the mic and leave the office here. (laughs) Right. In in the, like, 8 to 15 range, maybe 10 to 15 range of a lot of mock drafts, there's guys that profile a lot like superstars, but they're, like, a way downgraded version. And this would be Jackson in relation to Kevin Durant, his offensive game. The thing that you would hope with a guy like Jackson and what happens with some of these other prospects is there's one thing missing and then they go out and they get it. So with Jackson, it would have to be a massive jump in athleticism that he currently does not have. Yeah, I think athleticism is one thing, but I also think physicality. Like I think
0: he would have to take a massive jump in physicality. So like Scal, when I look at Scal coming in, they said, oh, he doesn't like to mix it up, doesn't like to get physical. I don't think he knew how to get physical. And I don't think they taught him how to get physical. I think when you look at with, uh, Justin Jackson, I mean, he spent three years at UNC. I mean, he's had plenty of time to grow.
1: Yeah. And and I'm, I'm probably not going to advocate for the Kings to be looking at that, um, or at him with that, say the 10 pick. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll say this, this draft has so much variety. You can slide back a few slots and really get, Something unique out of each of these guys, and I think it's gonna make a lot of teams want to trade. And and there's gonna, I this I feel like this draft is gonna be one of the wilder movement drafts that we've seen. I think some we're time. gonna
0: see a lot of movement too. Just I, and,
1: and so, like a mock draft is pointless. Yeah, at this point, with um with all of the talent, especially in that. And I would also say this: I feel like the value in this draft. If we if we used like a simple rating system that really, you know, we're just pulling numbers out. And we said the the one pick was worth, like, say, 1.3. We do this in fantasy all the time. And, and the number two pick was worth, like, 1.2. And, and you just keep downgrading them by, you know, 0.1 as you get to 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And, and the number one pick might be worth twice or three times what, say, the 6 or 7 pick is. Yeah, all right, That's way too much math for folks, and sorry about that. No, that's okay. And I would agree with you. What, what I see in terms of value, now that you've got your picks, you know – Um, lined up the lottery order is set i think the value in this draft is in five six seven eight nine ten eleven and twelve because i don't see the high-end talent separating from this group of five to ten to twelve i mean there's definitely a gap between five and twelve but there's guys from five six seven eight and nine i mean i looked at dennis smith's film the other day and i'm sitting there and i'm not going to say you guys should pick up dennis smith either (laughs) Hey, Dennis Smith is an incredible athlete. I'm just saying that he's he he reminds me a lot of um, Dion Waiters, and we all yeah, saw but what the, happened Yeah, the, the guard, the point guard version of. Yeah, you can argue Dion Waiters is you know kind of a point guard. Um, he's definitely a combo guard. Um, so I, I think with with each of these guys, there's a um, there's a potential upside that that really is. Unique. You know, you look at Darren Fox, and I think with the athleticism that he could grow into, um, I think that's why you hear him, you know, as high as I think you said two in one draft earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just kind of down the list, looking at Jonathan Isaac's film, kind of, I, and I think he'll be helped by Jalen Brown going three last year. He reminds me a little bit of Jalen Brown, you know, with the athleticism package. And with shooting and ball handling being a skill you can teach, you know, a lot of his flaws come from not having those two things figured out. Mm-hmm. And you looked at Jalen Brown's film. He looked terrible for Cal last year. Yeah. In film. And, and now this year, he's got a pretty smooth jump shot. He looked good in the playoffs. And that athleticism is just something you can't teach. So you go, you go down the line with each of these guys. And I think that they have really unique upside. So I'd be happy if I had my druthers, if I had to, you know, pick where I'm drafting from based on cost. I'd like to be in the five through 12 range, Hmm. which the Kings have two picks in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my personal opinion is that there is a true top five in this draft. And then after that, uh, six through 10, well, six, seven, eight, nine, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. I think are all really, really good. And then at 10 is where it kind of takes a wobble and like, are you going to get really value there? Now, there it's very possible that one of those other guys is going to fall because someone's going to fall in love with somebody. But my top five clearly are, is Foltz, Ball, Jackson, Tatum, Fox.
1: And, and I agree with you on that. As yeah, and I, the, and I the, think the Fox theory. could go two.
0: He could go three. I think the Kings are praying that he goes five for sure. And so
1: now, and if that happens, that's an interesting scenario. Or pardon me, if it doesn't happen, that's an interesting scenario because it kind of sets off a question of. What is, what's the Kings' backup plan if Fox goes higher than five, if he goes...
0: I would agree. It does set up a... But at the same point, I think the Kings have two major needs coming into the draft. It's small forward and it's point guard. And I think that they... I mean, they have plenty of other needs, but those are the two, like, uh, we've got to have... We've got to try for a star-level player. And that's where, if Tatum is the guy that's available at five, you have to take Tatum. If it's Jackson, you have to take Jackson. If it's and, ball, you have to take ball.
1: And I think they'll be, if they get Tatum at five, that's going to be a disappointment.
0: I don't think it will be a disappointment, though, because I think basically you're taking, I think he's a better defensive Rudy Gay. And I think that that's, I, I would take that. I think Jason Tatum is going to be a very good NBA player. Is he going to translate 100% of his, he's going to be really good right away.
1: Yeah, he, I think he, he, he peaks out in year four. We talked about this on a previous yeah, cast, yeah. but like, I just don't think he can defend the three. So, I think he
0: can defend the three, and I think Josh I, Jackson can defend the three. I mean, I think these positions are changing at all times, but when I watch the Kings try to run a 6'5", 6'6", six six Garrett Temple out there against Danilo Gallinari, you're you're dead in the water. And if you're telling me that Jason Tatum can't guard Gallinari... I think he can.
1: He can guard I, big threes. Yeah. I don't think he could guard small threes, and the league trends towards small. So,
0: But not all, of, not all the threes. And if you've got enough guards, you can go small. They can go Bogdanovich and, and Heald at the 2-3 at the first stints in a game to, to equalize with teams that have gone small.
1: Now, that I do agree with. I think if you could get mileage out of him at the four, but then you start to run into logjam problems, depending on if, if, if Dave Yeager can get away from playing Costa Kufas, if Costa Kufas sticks around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a big 25, 20 to 25-minute yeah, yeah. Uh, item right there. But then you've got Willie Cauley-Stein, Scal, and if Papayanas is a part of the future, which I really think you got to at least try that out. Yeah, you
0: know, yeah, I think you're,
1: so. You're finding a hard time getting um, minutes you know, uh, for – I think so. at the four.
0: The Kings have a bunch of issues. It's not just, I mean, they have log jams, but then they also have salary cap issues where they have all of this cap
1: space. But well, And how many rookies can they bring on is probably the biggest issue. I think so,
0: too. I mean, I, again, and, and can and they, they take on four more rookies well, this year? It,
1: one of the things I thought is you got these picks, it's a, it's a lot of value in this draft, and especially where the Kings own their picks. And, and to me, I would be, if I'm the Kings, looking at how could we bring more veterans onto this team you know, say the, the, the team that has them, say it's an equal value contract, that would be great news for the Kings if they could pick that up on the cheap. Uh, maybe it's a contract that the team isn't really fond of, but the Kings' salary cap situation is so wide open. Yeah, they have they, they between 50 on. and 60 million. I mean, they can get up to like 62
0: million from what I've read um, from the numbers that I've seen. And so, I, I mean, what we're going to see here is there are going to be a handful of teams that are trying to dump salary. And Portland is the team that we're already hearing is is very, very possible as a team who's looking to they have three first round picks. They have no roster spots. They signed a bunch of bad contracts last summer. I mean, they signed (laughs) four. Okay, so look, they they've got their two stars, right, that are making 50 plus million combined Uh, and CJ McCollum. And they have uh, and they have Damian Lillard. But then they go out and they give Alan Crabb like was it 19 million a year. Mm-hmm. I mean it caps out at like 22 million or something. That's how his contract is. It's ridiculous. And they they had this. they had to match though. Then they gave Mo Harkless like 9 10 11 12 and then they gave Myers Leonard like 10 11 12 13. Don't know what's up with that. And <laughs> then they gave uh what's this? Evan Turner. Evan Turner crazy money.
1: So, but here's the thing in the, in a vacuum those contracts don't I mean the the Myers Leonard one was ridiculous and it is still ri- ridiculous. But yeah, I can, you know, with Evan Turner, he was miscast in in that system, um, and I don't think that uh, you you might say, oh, I'd rather have him at twelve or fifteen. You know, he's not like a bust of an NBA player as long as he keeps his weight in check. He can defend. He can do some stuff. I, I'm 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 not on the. The laugh at evan turner's contract uh train as much as everybody else is. oh i am
0: yeah i think it's ridiculous but
1: crab I, I mean. crab is the one that i think might approach equal value um shooting wise uh, offensively and even some defensive upside there the one that i think is the most intriguing probably for kings fans is the uh the mo harkless pop yeah yeah potential he just is kind of a piece that the kings could really use as a three four yeah, and he's owed, Let's see, nine
0: point six, ten point three, and eleven over the next three years. It's a very
1: affordable contract and a lot of upside. He's pretty much proven it defensively that that he can be a guy that that you want uh, at the three four, which is one of the trickier spots in today's NBA because you do have a Danilo Gallinari that could be yeah six yeah. Foot ten play the three. Well, the Kings just didn't have that guy at all. Once they once
0: they made their their moves, once they got rid right of Caspi Barnes and. And all these players and, and cousins at the at the deadline, they and, didn't yeah. have that that specific player. Rudy Gay gets hurt. They lose. They, they wave Barnes. They trade Caspi. Those three guys could have hung with a guy like Kalinari. You take all three of them off the team at one time, and it's like that year where uh, where Isaiah Thomas was the only point guard on the roster. Him and Ray McCallum. And, and then, of course, Isaiah, Isaiah gets hurt. Isaiah Ray, gets Ray hurt. Plays 48 minutes a game. Ray <laughs> plays 46, 48 minutes every game. And they're trying to steal minutes at that position. Yeah, with... He was the future starter for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, with nobody. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal with, uh, with Portland, though. They're at $133 million right now. Yeah, they got
1: to shed. Yeah, and... they
0: have to shed at least $11 million just to get to the, the tax threshold. Or they pay dollar for dollar for like the first five and then $2 for every dollar for like the next five. And then on top of that, they have three first round picks. So their picks are, uh, what, 16, 20, 26. And those, each of those have cap holds. And, and so they're in trouble with those picks as well. Uh, they're going to walk away from Festus' Ely, for sure, it looks like. Um, but you have all of this this issue, this intrigue, and they have to find a way to shed major salary. And so the word on the street is they are waving around some of these players. I mean, I don't think anyone is going to take Evan Turner at 17, 18 and 186 over the next 3 years. They're not going to take on like 50 plus million dollars in salary. But a guy like Mo Harkless would the Kings consider taking 30 million of Mo Harkless over the next 3 years yeah. and the 20th pick in the draft or the sixteenth or the twenty sixth pick in the draft, and, and just absorb the contract. And I think I, the I answer think is you're yes.
1: Look at the way that Portland markets this: is Mo will be an asset that teams have to pay for. Crab will be an asset that they will try to make teams pay for, and I think ultimately the market would pay for his contracts. You got to remember the numbers are stupid. Like, well, yeah, a
0: crab nineteen point three, and numbers, then eighteen five and eighteen five. So
1: seems stupid, but there is still a lot of question: is he can. There's the, the jury's still out on whether or not he can full, per, uh, perform to the terms of that contract. I think that most evaluators haven't seen enough. He doesn't get the ball enough. Yeah. You know, there's just too much of a logjam to really truly evaluate him. Um, Turner, I think teams will will have to. Everyone's whether, seen the, the enough Blazers of will, Turner. Yeah, exactly. The Blazers will have to pay to get rid of that contract. And Myers
0: Leonard, no one's going to take. No one's going to take thirty-one million know, dollars. I mean, Myers Leonard.
1: That, yeah. That that's that's a big question mark there. The question I, the, the fifteen is a little rough here, you know. Just looking at the draft, um, you know, I feel like in the thirteen range, thirteen, maybe even fourteen, you can almost guarantee yourself a player with upside in this draft. Um, you know, oh yeah,
0: they are fifteen. They're fifteen. Yeah. They're twenty, and then they're twenty six. Now look again, if they're willing to give up Mo Harkless and the twenty, then the Kings need to like be first in line and just say we'll take it we'll take it
1: in exchange for the 10
0: no in exchange for nothing because they're gonna have to dump that salary they they have to dump and just that move alone allows them if they can make one more medium-sized move they can they can get underneath
1: i I mean with with harkless that's a he he's shown a lot and he's going to i think but
0: you're looking at 10 million dollars a year for a player barely averaging double figures last year
1: that's fine. That's not what his game is. His game is defense. His game is, is shooting the three, stretching the floor. Yeah. He, he Okay, is so a, so he, let's say the, a Kings,
0: say the Kings give up. They take on Harkless and the number 20, and they give up the second rounder, and they move up to 20. And now the reason – like, look, I don't think the Kings should have three first-round picks. That's not my my idea here. My idea here is that that they have – now they have another asset and if i've got 10 and 20 would i don't know would new york take 10 and 20
1: for eight would oh, maybe would yeah. minnesota
0: take 10 and 20
1: for seven but now i guess the question is 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 why are you climbing up the ladder who, who do you got your eyes on so let's assume the draft goes as a lot of people plan with fox going to the kings at five yeah you know now you're looking okay i want to climb up and who am i going to get and why am i doing it and you know the questions. I, I think the, the name that comes to mind for me is Jonathan Isaac.
0: It's Isaac or Markkinen. That's that's where I can see the Kings looking at it and saying, if Markkinen I can get
1: Markkinen, just cracks the Markkinen hype cracks me up because I mean he
0: can shoot, man, he and can the seven shoot. shooters nobody, that can shoot. Nobody, I, I don't nobody's know. Nobody's
1: denying he can shoot. I, I just I I think that he's going to gain a lot of value because of the Kristaps Porzingis uh, yeah. success, and I think that. Um, a lot of people are are kind of fascinated with kind of the overseas style you know player but you know i guess but the dude not showed really, it though he's not really a – I mean he's 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 got a good handle he can shoot mm-hmm. everything else is a question mark and and uh, to the point of what i made earlier was with christophs Przingis, the film didn't look great it you showed you saw a lot of him getting pushed around yeah and he was able to basically make that a non-issue in the league. He bulked up a little bit. He plays real tough. I mean, he does get a little bit pushed around because of his high center of gravity. But it was not, you know, the type of problem people thought it would be yeah. coming into the league. And I think you have to ask yourself with the marketing, does he have that that nasty streak that Kristaps has? And I think early indications are is that he might not have that.
0: I get that, but I mean... Worst case scenario then I think you're looking at maybe Ryan Anderson.
1: I mean or or Andrea Barnani, I don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah no, I handles. see Barniani is a good is a good call too. But I still think you're gonna get a guy who can shoot the lights out at a position and I mean the league is going to shooting hundred percent. And so while I like Isaac, but if I'm sitting at number seven and I'm Minnesota Timberwolves and I've got Isaac and I've got I've got a choice between Isaac uh and Dennis Smith and Markinen. I'm taking Markinen and putting him next to Carl Anthony Towns. Are you kidding me?
1: I, I get it. It's I mean that's why this draft is so unique though cuz I do think from, you know, say 7 cuz I think Monk is legitimately probably number 6. I think in, yeah, in this I think draft. I
0: think Monk is is a very very good player.
1: And and if if the Kings weren't drafting 5, maybe he would be slotted at 5. Yeah, I I even think
0: that if I know this sounds funny, but if Philadelphia had their way, they would prefer that they, they didn't that, get
1: the pick swap. <laughs> yeah, that the
0: Kings were drafting three and they well, could they're, take Fox they're in a pickle, and three. they could take Fox and I mean, they could take Monk.
1: I mean, yeah. you can't really draft Tatum because you've got Ben Simmons there. They're two yeah. very similarly sized players and who knows if they'd be able to, to hang defensively. Yeah. Um, you, you've also kind of got a ball handler. You got a ball handling issue in general with that team. Joel Embiid wants to be a point guard. You know, let's set that aside for a second. They but, all want
0: to be a point guard, but, I mean, come on now.
1: Well, but he's going to handle a lot. I mean, he handled a ton for them last year. That's not going to change. And you get Simmons coming in, and then you will have a point guard. An actual... And
0: Saric actually did the yeah, same and,
1: thing. Yeah, and charge Char- exactly. But if
0: you, bring, if you bring in uh, De'Aaron Fox right there, he doesn't make any sense at all. Because no, while he's no, a point guard, he's, smoke screen. he's not a shooter. Yeah, it's, it's probably smokescreen, but you bring him in, he's not really a shooter. No. And he's just going to gum up everything on that
1: team. And so the three pick for them is just massively difficult. And, you know, Jackson, do they do they take the best player available to them at that time? Yeah. I, I would if I'm them. Um, and hopefully he can convert into a two, whether or not he can. I was looking at Kawhi Leonard's jumper um, from back in the day, and he had that kind of follow-through that Darren Collison has. Yeah. Uh, another comparable, I thought, um, Frank – Intelequina. 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 Um, he... I had a French speaker, uh, a, f- a French <laughs> follower.
0: Uh, oh, did he, did he yeah, they, school you on it? Yeah, they, no, he just say, I was listening on the podcast, this is how you say it. Okay, cool. There you go. Intelequina. Yeah.
1: Intelequina, okay. Yeah. Um, Intelequina looks a lot like Collison in general.
0: But probably three years away.
1: Exactly, and I think that's the biggest takeaway. Also, that people got to keep in mind with you know six through or seven, say seven through 13, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen is is we're still talking about probably more misses than hits. Oh yeah, in, yeah. In, because in I mean, Isaac looks
0: like he could be a star, but he also looks like he could be Darius Miles. Where, where or I he...
1: like Isaac is because I've completely recognized Isaac could bust out. Where I like Isaac yeah. though is I think the physical profile is going to give him a chance, a la Jalen Brown. If he can pull together the handle and the shooting stroke, which I do think are two two teachable skills, and I haven't seen too much about his jump shot that you know overly worries me. Whereas, yeah. like with Josh Jackson, I see his jumper and I, and it, I, I, I'm reminded of Kawhi Leonard, but Kawhi Leonard's follow through wasn't so pronounced, and um, Jackson's has this big kind of it looks like a catapult, and it, it's way it's way too motiony. And he just needs to almost scrap the whole thing. Yeah,
0: clean it up. Well, I mean, but he's not uh, what's his name, uh, Kid Gilchrist. I mean, he's nowhere near Michael <laughs> no, Kid Gilchrist. I mean, no, no. Which no. I mean, I think that would be uh, there. You just have never seen that comparison that that he's going to be. He but could can be. They the make
1: next. him a two is the question. That's I think because you're, yeah. you're a team that needs shooting because of Simmons, and now you're taking a non-shooter and sticking him at the two. That's the, the, the Sixers look like a team to me that needs to trade out of the three. And, and that's why this draft is so intriguing. You even go all the way up to top, you know, to Fultz. I do think Fultz can play next to Thomas as a two in Boston. Um, but what, what, I, what I don't like about these top two picks is looking at Fultz's game, he looks to me like a better D'Angelo Russell yeah. without all of the, the baggage.
0: It's really, it's, I hate saying this, he, okay, so physically he looks like him but it's also it's everything from it's the body motion yeah the whole it's thing it's the straight yes. neck it's the like the upright stance
1: he doesn't have quite the weird shot that that russell has
0: oh no he's brilliant as a as a scorer he can score at all three levels i mean that's that's I just the thing wonder,
1: that, does the athleticism he needs to get quicker in order to keep up the pace offensively and then you've got the kind of defensive question marks where you know hopefully that can be coached out of him yeah you know, yeah the lapses and stu- and such and then you get to Lonzo Ball and the question is is, that, is his game going to translate you know as well
0: i think his yeah, i think there's a concern that his game will not translate long term now
1: speaking of russell if you're the lakers do you pair these two together or do you try to ship D'Angelo russell while he has value cuz in I, a year or two but what
0: value does he have anyways that's i've never seen you that you he talk has, to has the value the la
1: people and they're and, crazy though yeah but you know what my biggest thing with Russell is his knee. Is you know now you're tacking on a physical issue with the mental stuff and and the yeah. fact that the game is sloppy at best and and you got all these issues here. I just think if you're the Lakers, you get out of the D'Angelo Russell business now while there's a question as to whether or not he can take it to the next level. Yeah,
0: I just don't know who's giving you anything for him. Oh, I
1: think there's plenty of dumb teams out there that would t- that would pick up D'Angelo Russell. Well, like
0: middle, like a pick eleven through twenty, maybe. No, I, th-
1: I think that well, that, no, you, you're on to something because I don't think teams want to spend a top ten pick to get into the D'Angelo Russell. No, no,
0: they're not going. He, they can't get a top but ten a pick. But a ten
1: for him. to fifteen pick and some, you know, because you got to have something in there to make that the the, the buyer. Yeah, the Kings look should
0: good. never even consider it at all. No, no, no. not at all. There's yeah.
1: no chance whatsoever. But that so with those two picks being so weird, I mean, I do think the Boston will take Fultz, and they should take Fultz, and I do think the Lakers probably take Ball. um but yeah, you're gonna have to move D'Angelo Russell. Now you've got this well, kind of Russell tectonic can play the two.
0: I, Russell yeah. has, he's become more of a shooter, anyways.
1: I I just think you you get out of the D'Angelo Russell business now. Yeah, and you've got new management. You got you know you've kind of got the whole. To me, it seems like they're ready to make a move. We haven't heard anything like that yet, but yeah, if, I could see that. If and and you then have a tectonic c- shift at the top. You know, you traded D'Angelo Russell. That's gonna move things in the league. Yeah, and then you have three, which is up for grabs. Four is the Suns. Who knows what they do there? They got
0: so much youth. It just makes so much sense for the Suns to take whoever's there between Jackson and Tatum. Yes, I mean that they really need that position. I mean, TJ Warren's a nice player, but he's a nice player on a bad team. And that
1: might be the only thing that saves the Kings, because yeah, well, no. but it's really it, it's going it really to come down. If he takes Fox, then then the Kings get Tatum, or they yeah. trade out of it. And that would be my thing. If I'm stuck with the five, I want to be on the phones seeing who wants to move up to five. Cause no. I, I would rather... I, I don't
0: I, I don't buy it, Aaron. I think the top five in this draft, all five have all-star potential. And all five may he, even he, have... He's
1: going to have to get it in his second year.
0: But most of those guys, almost all of those guys could have more than than all-star potential. Almost all of them. They could be more than all-stars. They could be better than that. And... I don't think you trade out of the top five in this draft. I think landing in the top five in this draft what, was the biggest coup Philly that the Kings looks have ever had. This
1: and they say, you know what? We're, we're not happy with anything we're going to get here. So let's take Fox, and then and dangle him, and dangle him, make teams come to them, and see what the Kings can do. <laughs> the Kings have to trade up and get the three. I
0: wouldn't doubt that they do. I wouldn't doubt that they do. And and that's where it comes and, down to. Like I don't want to give up the ten to go from five to three. Mm-hmm. but I certainly would take Mo Harkless in the 20 and move from five to three with the 20th.
1: Well, right, and, but here's the thing. I think the rest of the league is going to come in and, and make a better deal for Mo Harkless. Like somebody, it's possible. Somebody it's in possible. the league will offer more than a second round. I just
0: don't think the Kings need to take on, I mean, certainly uh, Myers well, Leonard makes no sense no, to them. No. Uh, Evan Turner Actually, makes no sense the only to them. The
1: one that really makes sense to me is, is uh, Harkless. Or,
0: or just paying a whole lot for crab because I know they liked crab last year, but that's a lot man, of money. You got
1: a lot of shooting cards. I just think... Yeah, you can but play he can play at, the three. You can play him at the three. You can play Garrett at the three. You know, there's ways to do this, but... But you're going to be undersized. Yeah, uh, you're going to be undersized, and I think that, you know, now you're, you're overspending at a position that you don't really need to do, do that with, so I would probably look at, you know, other options, but again, there's a lot of teams that I think want to get rid of veteran talent, and... Yeah. You know, you, you just kind of got to put, you know, the fielders out, see who's available out there. Yep. And then try to bring that talent in. Whether you, if you took on a bad three year deal, it doesn't matter. I mean, you've got the caps. Sp- no, I mean, that's true. You have the cap space. You're not competing in the next three years. You know, bring that veteran in, you know, at your positions of need, whether that be point guard, uh, small forward. Um, I don't know that the point guard deals are out there right now. And no, I don't think the, the Celtics are trading Isaiah. Um,
0: the, <laughs> yeah uh, and the Kings I mean I don't what do you even get for Isaiah I don't think you, you're not getting top five
1: no and, and you know there's you got to look at Isaiah now as a different asset <clears throat> he's going to get max money and yeah he's going to play above that value because all star level players no matter what because of the way the CBA is set up play yeah. above value no that's true I mean so that's why people go oh you know it's so much money it's like no if he, if he was truly market value he began like 35 40 million in that range because there's, yeah. a, there's a max salary there. So you want to accumulate as many of those assets as you can. Mm-hmm. They're, they're positive value. Um, but I don't think Boston's getting rid of them. Yeah. And well, I don't think there's anybody else. I think the point guard market is going to be tough to crack for the Kings.
0: Yeah. Well, and the Kings also have some some counterbalance pieces. So say if you were making a deal and taking on Alan Crabb's huge amount of money, Maybe you send Langston Galloway back and his $5.4 million to sort of offset year one. Uh, and then the salary cap goes up next year. Um, and then again, we'll come back to Brandon Knight. Uh, the only way I'm taking on Brandon Knight's salary or Tyson Chandler's salary, strictly the only way I'm taking on those salaries is if I'm going from 10 all the way up to four. And so I'm going to need more assets to give them. So again, if I, it's 10 and number 20. To move and and taking back Brandon Knight's uh, forty-five million owed, or I'm taking back the twenty-six and a half million owed to Tyson Chandler. I mean, again, Tyson Chandler on this team, uh, you know, playing with uh, teaching Willie Cauley-Stein, teaching Scalabousier how to be pros, and I mean, that's not a bad move. But again, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be aggressive. I expect the Kings to be very aggressive.
1: Yeah, and I I like the Tyson Chandler move. The Kings have a really good thing going. You know, you ripped off the Band-Aid with the DeMarcus Cousins situation. You got, you know, this good leadership in play. You know, Anthony Tolliver, I think, is a guy you want to keep around, um, if possible. And um, same with Garrett Temple. And, and you do, but you still need a few more uh, oh, Yeah, yeah, uh, you voices. need more. Yeah. This is a young basketball team. Um, you got this is just, it's, to me, this is simple stuff. You got two years load up on some veterans that other teams don't want mm-hmm. balance your roster out and then really look to take the core that you determine is the core two years from now and and then hit the ground running.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, if you're looking at their cap space and you're saying they've got 50 plus million and, and in order to manipulate all of this and, and to get in line, they have to take back like three really bad contracts and, And give out some contracts. I mean, if you end up taking on a Brandon Knight, a Tyson Chandler, and let's say an Allen Crabb, which I honestly believe that it's 26, 36, the Kings can do. They can do and still have like 8 million, 10 million. Actually, they could still have 14 million under the cap. You can take back all three of those guys, and what it yields is two top five picks. If you're able to get the four and the five, If you're able to get the four and the five and and something else, I I mean, that's that's, not bad. That's the
1: beauty of this draft is there's really so many different scenarios that the Kings can try to play, you know, other teams against other teams and really try to get the best deal possible. Um, One other thing that's popped up and and I have a question about is now Otto Porter. Um, You know, if the Kings are able to address small forward through the draft, you can trot out Malachi – and, and a rookie or maybe hang on to uh or, or or renegotiate with Rudy Gay if he finds out the market's really soft yeah out there. Um either way, like um getting a getting a small forward of, of the ilk of auto porter it, it's a question mark um more than more now than it was before. I, I wonder if Otto Porter's injured. I wonder if he's got some some injury mileage on him. He's young. He's had a couple of injuries, but I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I mean, he had the a rough playoffs, be, that's you, for sure. Yeah, he had a rough playoffs. I don't think it was necessarily all on him, but I do worry about his hip and his back. And, yeah. And um, they haven't had the greatest injury history there in Washington with their training staff. No, if, that's true. If you um, – that would be the one silver bullet that you could do, uh, use in, in free agency to uh, address the small forward position. And then if you don't – say you do go pick up an Isaac somehow – or you land Tatum, you know. Yeah. Th- th- then I think that you're taking Otto Porter off the table. And to me, that's it, possible. But I think you're also you can use them together. You can, yes. Yeah. It's a lot to invest in one position, and I might want to hedge my bets instead of taking say like, you know, Isaac. If I know I got Porter in the fold, or is a big, you know, you obviously don't get to know that before free agency, but yeah, yeah if I have a good – if organizationally I want to go for Porter, I've got a good hit from his people, so to speak. Yeah. And I think I've got a legit chance that maybe I don't take Isaac, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, th- that's the, the beauty of this draft is there are a lot of different pieces. I mean, you could, you could start looking at the the two bigs, Markkinen, and um,
0: Yeah, at, at number 10, I, I mean, you could look at Zach Collins. You can right. look at – you know, you can see who, f- who falls. I mean, Dennis Smith could fall to 10. And if you had the opportunity to add De'Aaron Fox and Dennis Smith, I know people are going to say what? Uh, I think you add them both because you Dennis just Smith. A David Conn. <laughs> because Den- well, no, because Dennis Smith at, at number ten, um, he's low risk. At number five, he's like outlandishly high risk. I mean, the ACL and the personality issues. But if I've got a guy who who comes That's in, what
1: the Cavs did with Deon Waiters. Yeah, Is they, nobody thought he was going four, and and then was, they- and he never
0: worked out for anyone.
1: And he kind of worked out as what everybody thought he would work out, is here's this guy with a lot of talent, a lot of question marks about yeah. the, the approach to the game, and it took him five years to figure it out.
0: Actually, Dion Waiters completely messed up the whole Kings draft there. If, if Dion Waiters wouldn't have gone four, then it would have been uh, – they would have taken – Thomas Robinson, and the Kings would have drafted Damian Lillard, and history would have changed completely.
1: But I thought that they they didn't draft the, No, I'm not going to go no, there. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, it, that's how – I mean, it would have played out differently. And although I do know that uh, Jeff Petrie liked waiters at that time too. So – uh, you just never know. Well, you and, never know. And would Waiters have succeeded in that environment? Hell no. Absolutely not. Actually, Waiters hasn't succeeded in any element until he got to Spolstra, and Spolstra has really done some good work with him.
1: I mean, he turned it around in, in OKC. But but still, yeah, it's been a long time for Waiters. to. That's And that's the thing. You're investing in the first four to five years of these guys' career. And, yeah. And that's the, the thing that – you know, with with Tatum, I, I worry about you're investing in his best years. But then, are you really going to be able to harness the value of a top five pick? Yeah. with with him, looking at that first extension, like I bet at that first extension with him, the team that that needs to pay him is is really kind of on the cusp. Of, do I don't know. want to make this. A, you know, He's
0: going to be a twenty point a game
1: guy, most likely. I'll take the under. All right. Uh, I I don't know he looks really really good. I think I think his first four years will be his best years and I think that he will have a successful first four years in well, in, re- in relation to everything like his draft tag or his draft price. Yeah. You know the whole bit I think he'll be a successful first four year guy but then after that I think you're going to start to hear questions about his athleticism and whatever injuries he accumulates. Hm. I I
0: think that can go with almost any player. I mean I th- again Lonzo Ball could be a guy that just doesn't translate I mean, I think Josh Jackson could be another Kansas bust. I, think the I mean, there are a lot of the – there's a lot of questions.
1: For, from my evaluation, the Kings end up with Tatum at five is Fox is a guy that, you know, yeah, he's got the shooting issue. He's got these issues, right? Yeah. I think he's going to just crack through those issues and – I think I, most I,
0: people think he's going to be really good.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. he's going to be – so you'll, you might – I mean, that's the one where you go, wow, this could be something special, you know, to lock down a position that the Kings have yeah. really struggled with – well, very long time. I mean, again,
0: uh, uh, we talked about like Dennis Smith. You could take Dennis Smith at five if if that everything works out. But I really, I kind of look at Dennis he can... Smith. He he reminds me a lot of uh, Stephon Marbury. Yeah, like yeah. overall, like yeah. I mean, he's got incredible potential. But on top of the incredible potential, um, he's got incredible like an ego to go with that, and and it's always going to be an issue. Oh
1: man, I mean, I remember thinking Malachi took some bad shots on film. Oh Dennis yeah, Dennis Smith. He's in a whole new level. <laughs> well he's just, just just disengaged. I mean that's that's yeah, the biggest I, thing. And, and, he, and that was the thing. You, yeah, I mean you're um, you have Mike Schmidt's on and he talked about some of the teammate issues and all of that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a good fit for the Kings, Dennis Smith. So uh but you know, Tilekina, I, I think you know, if you're looking for somebody to kinda, you know, be be just a, a rotation guy and hold down the fort at that position, maybe a little bit of upside too. I, like oh, I think his... he's got
0: upside. I just think he's better on a team that has a veteran point guard and he can be the understudy for two to three years and then take over the reins. Yeah, I think that's yeah. where he's at. So, like, again, I've liked him. I like him at number nine to, to uh, Dallas. I, I really – I like him uh, to the Hornets at number 11. I do. I, I think that's a, a really good fit. He could work with Kimball Walker and sort of be a different version, a defensive-minded guy and you could even play those two together for stretches cuz is so is so you know long and tall uh he can guard twos and so i i don't know i, I again this is an intriguing draft i i mean i think every draft has its a little bit of intrigue to it but i think what makes this one special is that the top 5 is so incredibly good and the top you know maybe even the top 9 maybe 10 are so incredibly good and has so much potential
1: i feel like this draft is i mean I, I'm probably look silly when, you know, Lonzo Ball and you know, Fultz, you know, are tearing up this league in three to four years. But I feel like this draft is wider than it is kind of taller. That the that the peak of the these guys is not gonna be as great as there's gonna be just a broad swath of players that are all, you know, name guys in the NBA. Yeah. Through the through those top ten picks, I think. You know, you're, it's not going to be the this year's rookie class where we're, like, looking down and going, okay, um... Uh, d- uh, one
0: guy in the top in the first round average double figures right. in this year's draft. and just nobody to vote for
1: Rookie of the Year voting, and, you know, Malcolm yeah. Brogdon, I mean, really, to me, deserved to be Rookie of the Year, and, <laughs> I mean, come on now. No, it,
0: it's crazy. Uh, yeah, so... All right, Aaron, well, we're, we're not going to drag this out all day, um... Kings, from what I know, they're gonna bring in quite a few more prospects between now and uh draft night, which is June twenty second. Some of those um uh, are going to be broadcasts and we'll be able to go get our hands on these guys. For what I know, some of them are not. They're uh the agents, again, uh own this own this world, and you're at their mercy, and we will not hear about guys until someone on Twitter says, Hey, I just saw Player X out at the, a restaurant with Lottie Devots. How come we haven't heard about this? That's kind of the way that agents are playing this year. And it's the way they played last year where they're going to sneak some guys in. Uh, eventually, you'll hear about it, but it, it will be like back channels and quiet. Um, so there will be more top five players brought in for sure, more top ten players. Um, but it's it's always going to be a battle to get these guys in anywhere. And it's not because it's Sacramento. That plays a little bit of it. But a lot of it is because, just straight up, uh, all of these guys, their agents have promised them they're going above number five. There's, there's, <laughs>
1: Everybody's going above number five. There's
0: eight players in this draft that are all going above number five. And it's the reality uh, that they'll face the morning after that they probably wish they would have gone to Sacramento and checked it out because now they're going to live here for the next five years maybe the next 10 years, and they've never even been to the city. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic that will play out uh, in a very strange way over the next couple of weeks. So, Aaron, do you have any final thoughts?
1: No, man, I'm just looking forward to seeing it all play out. I mean, we're going to start seeing things ramp up. Draft rumors will start kicking. I think that, to your point about these agents, um, the fact that the Kings have both the 5 and the 10 and so much wiggle room, and they could maneuver so many different ways, I'm going to be just interested to watch how that plays out with new management, so to speak, you know, yeah. kind of also paving the way for this new sort of Kings era. It's an interesting under-the-radar pivot point for the Kings. I think that you know it's been quiet, so we um, don't get to um, talk much about how the Kings have changed post Marcus Cousins trade and with the the off-season transactions so far. I, I in one of these casts, we got to talk about Luke Bourne and the work he's doing. Yeah. With the um, analytics, I've been really diving into that stuff.
0: They're going to build out a whole area for the analytics team. They're they're going to take away some of our seating area. I've been in.
1: reading a lot of his <laughs> studies. <and laughs> it's good stuff, isn't it? Oh man, I'm I'm nerding out on that stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, I, I dig it so too. I I just think it's like kind of an under under the radar time for the Kings to take a big bite at the apple of, of getting on the path to respectability.
0: Yep. Yeah, uh, I think that's what we're seeing, and uh, you know, hopefully, it continues that way, where they're building as a, opposed to taking steps back. But again, I, I guess my final thought is, we're talking about two top five picks, uh, top ten picks. We're talking about an early second round pick. We're talking about hopefully Bogdan Bogdanovich coming over. We're talking about Willie and four rookies from last season. That is so much youth. That is nine players in their first, second, or third year. I think people just really need to understand that it doesn't matter how good this goes over the next month or how bad it goes over the next month, this is still a team that's probably, if they're lucky, looking at 25 wins. This team will be most likely in the lottery again next year and should have another top five pick and another very good draft. And I think people should just keep that in mind, that, that this is the build. This is how you build. It's not by adding what they've done the last couple of years and trying to fix things on the fly. You gotta this is full blow it up rebuild mode. And you gotta embrace the fact that these guys play hard, that they've got a good coach that they wanna play for, and that they're pulling the same direction and they're growing together. Again, I've seen them in the gym this week, Willie, Scal, Buddy Healed, all working out together, all all, you know, training and trying to get better adding bulk uh, getting big getting stronger working with the training staff that's what you need you need this team to pull one direction and that direction is up a hill and hopefully they start climbing and and dig out of this hole that they've been in for the last uh i don't know what is it 11 seasons without playoffs <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: it's not funny aaron bruski hey man uh you know Peace go out to the Kings fans that have dealt with it, and uh, you know, hey, but you know, good times are ahead, and, and you know, who knows? Maybe Matt Barnes is available, you know, add a little veteran leadership to the squad. <laughs> there it
0: is, uh, Matt Barnes. No, he. I'm kidding, people. He, yeah, yeah. I don't know how that would fly. <laughs> no, I don't think it would fly. Um,
1: no, no, yeah. It, it's it's good times, I think, for the Kings.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna dive into free agency as soon as we get through the draft. Um, it, it's just. All of these things are squished together. And if just our conversation today, you can see that there are so many different variables where the Kings could add some of the pieces that they might go out and add in free agency, but they'll add them during the draft to take on major chunks from other teams that are looking to do some major moves in free agency. So it should be an interesting, I don't know, five weeks. I I think that's what it is. Uh, Five weeks of of drafts, of craziness, draft and then free agency all rolled up into one. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it's gonna be crazy. It's buckle gonna be buckle up, cra- buckle up, Kings fans. All right, so that's gonna do it for this edition of the NBC Sports California <laughs> Kings Insider <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> I, yeah, sorry, well, one day I, you'll get it. I, I will, I'll get it. Yeah, the NBC Sports Bay Area, NBC Sports California Kings Insider Podcast for Aaron Bruski. I am James Ham. Thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.